Now, it's the Columbia Check-In with Lieutenant Governor Pamela Evett on the Liz Callaway Show with Nick Summers on Talk 94.5. Good morning, Lieutenant Governor Pamela Evett. Well, good morning. How is everybody? It seems, well, it has been a while. It has been. Uh, but it, I got to tell you, Liz, it did make me feel good. I've been in Myrtle Beach a lot, and people are like, oh, my God, I haven't heard you on the radio. Uh-huh. So that says a lot about your show. <laughs> people are listening. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, and uh, congratulations. Uh, you know, big win for you and the governor in the uh, GOP primary. So um, what do you, how did you understand that, you know, that so many people voted uh, to, to put you guys back in office? Well, I think it's, it's, it's a huge compliment that they like the way that we handle COVID. You know, we see everything going wrong in Washington, but here in South Carolina, we're doing it right. We're trusting our people. We're trusting our businesses. We're, you know, we're, moving our economy by getting uh, a diverse group of high-paying jobs into our state. Uh, you know, I, I just, you, you can tell that the federal government is out of touch. And I, I tuned in to catch some of the highlights of the Democratic governor's debate, and you can tell that they're just as out of touch, mm, right? Yeah. Talking about raising the minimum wage. Liz, you own a business. Mm-hmm. Do you know anybody who's paying seven twenty-five an hour? No. Unless you're a little mom and pop coffee shop, right? Mm-hmm. And and that's all you can afford. Because if you start paying high school kids who those are ideal jobs for fifteen dollars an hour, mm-hmm. you're not going to be able to afford your cup of coffee. No, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> and absolutely. those little those little jobs were not designed mm-hmm. ever in our economy to be jobs that support a family of four. Because we have a lot of great paying jobs, $28 an hour jobs that we need to get people suited up for. Those are the jobs. And I'll, I'll tell you this. Own. I'll tell you this. We've hired a couple of 15-year-olds lately, smart smart kids, uh, no doubt, but they don't know much at all about work, you know, exactly. life, um, working, and that's who those jobs are for. It's preparing mm-hmm. them. It's preparing them to understand, respect authority, how to deal with coworkers, how to deal with customers, having all those experiences they would never have otherwise. Um, and uh, it takes a lot more. It's a lot more work on the business owner to hire someone like that than it is to hire a thirty-year-old. Quite frankly. And, uh, you know, and I'm more of like a parent also. So I'm worried about them in so many ways. And so, uh, yeah, it's like it's you can't pay someone, you know, $15. It's their first job. Are they out of their minds? (laughs) That's crazy. Well, well, you're asking an obvious question. Are they out of their minds? Just look at what's happening in our country. We have baby form. Did you ever think in your lifetime in the United States we would have Empty shelves with baby formula. That's stuff that happens in third world countries, mm-hmm. not here in the United States. But I'm excited about um, an initiative that I have, which I don't think I've told you about yet. So, you know, the governor, his big push is to make sure that there's money for people who are stuck in these entry-level positions that do need to move up. And our businesses need them to move up. Mm-hmm. Putting money aside at our technical colleges to make sure we get them secondary degrees, and certifications, right? So we can create a a workforce that has the potential to have great paid jobs. So what does that do? Leaves those tier one level jobs completely open. So as I travel around the state and talk with businesses, you know, they tell me what you're saying. 
we're getting these great kids in from college, right? They're book smart. They, they've done well. They have no soft skills. They have no idea how to work in an office. They have no idea how to have face-to-face contact. Then I talk with parents, and parents say, Lieutenant Governor, can't y'all please teach fiscal responsibility in the classroom? Because kids don't understand. They don't understand when they want to take out student loans. They don't understand the value of a dollar. And I, you know, I talked to my husband. I'm like, David, you can't really teach soft skills in a classroom. No. And fiscal responsibility cannot be taught to some taught to somebody who's never had a job. I mean, you can talk about it in theory, but you have no idea what you've given up to make a dollar. So my initiative is now to encourage parents to get their kids working again. For so long, we pushed, you know, you know, let your kids be in sports, let them have time. We're seeing maybe too much time on their hands is not a good thing. Mm-hmm. Let's get them working because you. You are going to give them the tools to be successful through their entire life if, you, if they learn those vital skills that you're talking about. So I'm going to be going around the state. We're going to be encouraging parents here in the next few weeks. I'll be down in Myrtle Beach. And like always, Liz, I'm walking the walk I talk. Jackson turned 15, and he's working So um, this summer. And I think that that's the best thing as parents we can give to our kids yeah, is knowing absolutely. how to work. Absolutely. And uh, it really uh, is invaluable lessons that they're going to learn. And uh, and they also kind of feel figure out what they like to do, what they don't like to do, how how to deal with authority um, <coughs> and rules. And, and of course, if you're working in a restaurant, there's a lot of rules. Um, yep. But also, um, you know, it's like what I see that's happening with um, a lot of people in general is you can't correct them on something that's really, really important. Like, hey, you need every time this happens, you have to do this. And they're like, oh, I didn't know. I, you know, it's like they get like, you can't criticize anything. You know, hey, listen. And it, that's what the part that worries me. We're raising um, young people to be very super sensitive and not understand how to say, oh, yes, ma'am. I will do that next time. You know, that's how it should be. But instead, yeah. we're, we're, we're raising these weak people who are afraid of their own shadows. And well, in colleges, they get a little safe space because yes. of that. Yeah, and I, I have no time for that. I don't have time for safe spaces. Oh, Sorry. my goodness. You know, I, I think I think that's the one thing that was miss- missing. Because I can remember I was 14. My first job was Dairy Queen. We might have talked about this. I mean, hopefully that will be my last job. When I'm all done with this, I think I want to own a Dairy Queen. Just a little <laughs> walk-up ice cream shop where everybody's kind of happy, right? Like, yeah. if your cone is crooked, are you really that mad? No, no, it tastes good. Yes. But, um, but you know, it taught me everything. You know, you know dealing with somebody uh, that was indecisive, right? There's all these mm-hmm. flavors. They don't know what they want. It gives you patience. But the yeah. one thing it taught me is that I could always take care of myself. And that's the confidence that I think is lacking. Is mm-hmm. I know being a mom, it's scary. You know, my kids worked for my husband and I, but we made them work for other people because it's, it's a different experience, oh, yeah. right, than working for your parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, you can see when they go up to go work for somebody else and answer to somebody else. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now you've got to be on time. And late is on time. Five minutes early is what you need to be so you can get in and, you know, get signed in yeah. and get sit down um, and be ready. 
And that's what we, it, those are the, like the little things. Like if you start at nine, you need to be there at 10 to nine. So you get your cup of coffee and then you're sitting at your desk mm-hmm. at nine o'clock when you're working, you know, when your employer's paying right, you work. Exactly. And, and, and those are things, I think when kids have confidence, they can do anything, right? Because mm-hmm. you've given them hope. So that's my big initiative, Liz. Is, uh, my message for parents is to get your kids working. I, I mean, love we it. Can, we can do everything, in, in, and we can't do things in the classroom anymore because what do we cut out? Mm-hmm. Do you cut out coding? Do you cut out STEM? Do you cut out science? I mean, right. you know, I already hear so many parents say, why can't we put homework back in? And it's just we live in a time now where there's only so many hours in the day, and, and some of these STEM skills are so vital for our country, right, mm-hmm. and the jobs that are coming here. Some of those things we need to teach at home, and some of those things can be learned at a job. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool jobs! You can learn cool a lot jobs out there. You can learn a lot from working. I did. I mean, I've been working since I'm 14, so um, <laughs> I mean, it's just uh, <clears throat> it's an it's a it's a good quality to have. Yep. To um to work and show up on time and follow direction and and you know get your job done. Have pride in your work and uh, d- pride in doing a good job. Um, and, and, you know, and like you said, you know, the crooked, um, ice cream, you know, you want to be detail oriented. These are all valuable skills that you're going to need throughout your life and throughout any job you may have. And that's for sure. Now I I wanted to tell you something, um, just so you know, um, a lot of our listeners, you know, they were disappointed you were off the air for um, like five or six weeks. And we, we explained to them that out of fairness with the, you know, FCC, whatever, um, we decided to uh, suspend your interviews until after the election. And, um, you know, a lot of people were wondering if 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 the governor was going to come on for an interview. Um, I had extended that interview through uh, offer through you. Uh the governor did not take me up on the offer. So a lot of people were disappointed. We did have the challenger on, um, Harrison Musselwhite. A lot of people liked what he had to say. They were very, um, very impressed. And Nick, would you say that you had a very positive response? Very positive response, I have to say. He was saying a lot of the right things. And the question that always followed up on many of those same texts is, when is Governor McMaster going to come on and address these things as well? Right. So um, so I wanted to address that with you because I knew I know that the, everybody's kind of going to be asking me that. So um, <laughs> is there a, a reason why he didn't want to come on the show? You know, I I didn't ask him personally. He is he has been super busy um, with RGA with helping a lot of our um, Republicans around the state get reelected. Mm-hmm. And you know, he really does have a a platform that everybody hears him on an awful lot, right? He's on the TV a lot more than me. He gets his message out through um, newspapers across the state, and I think his views are well represented. And I, I really think that you saw by the overwhelming turnout uh, for our campaign that people know what a good job he's doing, right? I mean, I listen to um, challengers all across the state in all different races, right? And it's it, it's easy to come in and, and play backseat quarterback. We do it every day when we watch a sporting event, right? Mm-hmm. I thank everybody for coming out that runs. Um, because it's not easy, right? But it's not easy leading either. And, and like, I really believe that when the governor can come on to anything, 
he does. When he feels that there's a message that may have been missed or people don't understand, our office does a lot to, to clarify and, and turn it around. But he does have a lot of duties during the day. Yeah. No, so, I, I understand I mean, that. But they, they, they felt that, you know, him being on the campaign trail, he would have wanted. Uh, we had the same problem with Nikki Haley as soon as, you know, I used to interview um, Henry all the time when he was lieutenant governor. Um, and then when he became governor, never again. And the same thing happened with Nikki Haley, uh, never could get her on the air. And a lot of people, uh, you know, that we heard from uh, were not happy with that. So I'm just letting you know that. But um, but yeah. more importantly, uh, there was the conversation that we had with his primary challenger, uh, Harrison Musselwhite, that he was not, he, he was a big Henry supporter. Um, and he decided to run because he didn't like the way the vaccine mandates were, were, you know, the whole gates, uh, you know, you'll, we'll see you at the gates of hell uh, comment that the governor had made. He was uh, very uh, excited about that, but then felt that uh, when it came down to it, there were a lot of things that the governor should have, could have done, he believes, uh, to protect workers more against vaccine mandates by, by uh, private companies. And uh, I, I know we've discussed that because there was always that fine line between telling private companies what to do and what not to do um, and protecting the civil rights of people. There's a very fine line between that. Maybe you'd like to address that. Well, it is, Liz, and you and I have talked about that continuously, right? On well, we argued side, about it. We did, yeah. and it's okay, and, and that's good. Right. We should have dialogue. Mm-hmm. But if you look at what we believe in as Republicans, we want government out of private business. We do not because because when you break that um, that very fine line, where does that end? You can't say I want government to go in and do this because this is what I want. But when then you set that precedent, you want government to go in and use that precedent, to do something you don't want. The governor fought every mandate, and we won, right? Not alone, sometimes with other governors, the attorney general. I mean, it was a statewide effort, but the governor did it the right way. And that's what I think people get angry and upset, and sometimes they don't understand. The governor could do something that's going to be constitutionally not right. He can sign something, and then what happens? It goes to court. The taxpayers have to pay to defend that. We'll lose in the end. Right. We see that so many times when we act on a motion. This governor has never acted on a motion. He's constitutionally sound. He fights with a purpose and he knows the right way to do it. Now, sometimes the right way doesn't make us beat our chest. Right. And Mm -hmm. feel good. But when you win in the end, that's what's important, because when you do something, you know, is not going to hold up. It just takes twice as long to get to the end, right? So I understand people's frustration, and sometimes it's easy to get spun up in frustration, but you have to to look at the Constitution. That's what the governor has always said. I didn't close churches because constitutionally it wasn't right. The whole thing, though, with the essential and non-essential businesses, though, um, that was an issue. But now you know... If you go back to any press clip that the governor and I were in, we were both in lockstep. We never called a business essential or non-essential. And Governor McMaster said over and over again, I, everybody's business is essential if it's your business, if it's your job. 
he was so careful to never minimize anybody's um, job or business because he's right. Liz, you're a business owner. Mm -hmm. I'm a business owner. My, my business is essential to me and every worker in it, just like yours. And he was very sensitive to that to make sure he never did that. What he did was looked at guidelines that were coming down as they were coming down. And again, it's easy to go back and say today, right? What would I have, what would I have done? But hindsight's twenty twenty. We all would do that, right? We would all take a different job, maybe a different path, make different friends. 10 years to look back, it's easy to do that. Mm -hmm. Not fair for the person having to make the call right when information's coming down on a new disease that nobody knew about. But in South Carolina, we did it right. And we know we've done it right because of the overwhelming support we have from the people, from industry, from all over the world that's coming here because they like the way we did it. And now we're cutting taxes. Because we don't need the federal government to survive. We went into the pandemic with a surplus. We came out of the pandemic with a surplus. I mean, you know, we did a lot. We knew Myrtle Beach, our coastline, the hospitality industry was going to be hit hard because people weren't coming. People weren't traveling, right? I mean, it wasn't because we shut down our state. The governor... Uh, it says it all the time. He said, people called me and said, Henry, when are you going to open up the state? And he said, I can't. And they said, why? He said, because I've never closed it down. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, so there's nothing for me to open. He never did mask mandates. And when there was the opportunity for him to say, no, I can write an executive order so parents can control if their kids have masks. He did it. But he only did it when he knew he could constitutionally, you know, do something in place that couldn't be fought in court. And, you know, he went, and that's how he ran everything, right? And when you run things with the rule of law, because we can see, even when you're passionate about something, you and I have said this, just because you're passionate about a cause doesn't mean you can go burn down somebody's building. It doesn't make it right. We are a nation of laws and rules. And when we get away from that, when we act solely on emotion, it still doesn't make something the right way to do it, right? So that's that's how passionate I feel about what was done. And I think, um, again, thank you to everybody that comes out. And, 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 you know, there's a lot of rhetoric during a campaign. But I think the people of South Carolina, I really, I know the people of South Carolina kind of saw through some of that rhetoric because the proof is in the pudding today. And what we did gained hospitality a 4% edge pre, over pre-pandemic numbers. All right. Lieutenant Governor Pamela Evett, uh, thank you so much for uh, jumping back in. And of course, I wasn't going to bother you this week, but uh, you were kind enough to offer to come back <laughs> on. So I appreciate that. And I guess we'll have our standing appointment again. Uh, yes, we will. And I missed you guys. I had to come back on. Well, so. I'm glad. And when anytime you're in town, come on and knock on the door. We'd love to have you here. I definitely will. Hopefully in the next few weeks, I'll be there a little bit more than I am now. Okay. Ooh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sounds good. All right, Lieutenant Governor. Take care, everyone. All right. You too.